0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe. What's up everybody, and welcome in to Commanding the Huddle. I'm your host, Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network. And it feels like it's been about two years since I last spoke to you guys following Washington's season finale win over the Dallas Cowboys. And a lot has happened in the Burgundy and Gold. Obviously, almost a week ago, Washington parted ways with offensive coordinator Scott Turner. But today, we're going to get into a full recap of the 2022 Washington Commanders rookie class. From first pick... In the first round of Jahan Dotson, obviously the 16th overall pick after they traded back from the 10th pick to their last selection late in the 7th round when they took corner Christian Holmes out of Oklahoma State. I want to dive in to all of the players that Washington drafted. Offense, defense, how they provided some value on special teams. Just dive into who they were this year in their rookie year, pros, cons, and an outlook for each guy as we move into the offseason the summer training camp and into the next fall in 2023 as we move into week one where there are going to be expectations for a lot of these players a lot of snaps from washington's rookies this year that was the main thing the kind of the main narrative for martin mayhew marty herney ron rivera when they took players back in april was getting guys that aren't just going to be youth infused bodies but they can offer you value from day one, and have an impact. Now, you don't want to start 8, nine, ten rookies at different positions. That's what the Houston Texans did this year, and obviously they're in a full-blown rebuild, and they're building their way up, and obviously you saw the struggles that Houston had this year with such young bodies. It really doesn't matter what conference it came from, how good you were in that said conference, where you stand out in a mid-major. You know, you got to be able to have some bodies that have some experience, and the NFL level is just different. So, as good as these young bodies have been for Washington, really, you look at the last two years, some really young bodies in the building to build on, to build on. And this year, really, the three big core guys for me: Brian Robinson, Jahan Dotson, and Sam Howell. But before we get in to dive into the full-on, full draft class from 2022. It's crazy to think that their rookie year is already over, and we're moving into the offseason, and we got the, Sh- the Senior Bowl and Shrine Bowl and Combine and the NFL Draft coming up here within the next few weeks and into the next few months as we move into the spring. But where I want to start is talk a little bit about Scott Turner because there's some mixed reviews as far as what we got from Scott as an offensive coordinator in Washington. Because as much as you watch the Washington offense and as redundant and as predictable as it consistently was, the more you watch Washington's offense, the really it was just so redundant. And if I'm a defensive coordinator, now there's not a single defensive coordinator in the NFL that watched Washington's offense as much as we did on a weekly, daily basis. That's just the truth. You just saw how predictable, especially on early downs and early in football games, how Washington was, especially in the run game, really when Brian Robinson wasn't on the football field, where they struggled, when Antonio Gibson and JD McKissick were healthy at the early portions of the year. But then as you move back into the back half of the year and you had Brian Robinson and you had limitations in the passing game, it was consistently predictable as far as what they were doing. And what I mean by that was from a formation perspective, who they were motioning as lead blockers, whether they were motioning away from the strength to where they were running, everything was predictable. Every single snap we saw Curtis Samuel or Dax Milne or a tight end go in that orbit motion, that jet motion. I get that's the structure. Those are the pillars of Scott Turner's offense, but you have to consistently evolve as a play caller in 2023. As we move forward. And they need a guy in the building that has that modern mentality. To be able to pull the best out of this core. That Washington has on offense. A really exciting core. I don't need to go into every single name. But there are many offensive coordinators around this league. That would die. At the chance to be able to work. With a Brian Robinson in the backfield and J.D. McKissick, we'll see what Washington does with Antonio Gibson moving forward. Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Curtis. You drafted Yami Brown on day two in 2021. Guys, got some talent. We will see what Washington does in the tight ends room. I think that's an interesting spot for them in the draft and in free agency this year. Because despite them taking two tight ends on day three the last two years, John Bates out of Boise State in 2021 and Cole Turner out of Nevada last year. Cole was expected to be that bigger body inside the red areas from year one that was going to be able to expand the defense and stretch it a little bit, especially over the middle of the field, working in tandem with Logan Thomas as a big six foot six body. But Cole Turner didn't have one target over 20 plus yards this year. He was hurt for a majority of the year, only played 10 games, was really just ineffective and really was just like what John Bates was as far as a further extension of the offensive line. But we've seen that in years past. I constantly mention Jeremy Sprinkle on this podcast, and I hate to have to do that because I thought Jeremy did a fine job. I thought he stuck his face in in the blocking game as a run blocker. If he had to stay in and chip an end before he got to the tackle and make guys rush twice and do those different things. But this is 2023 now. And you have to have chess pieces on offense at the tight end position that not only can provide you some pop as a blocker. I'm not asking him to be an offensive tackle. But a guy that can stick his face in at 240 pounds plus... And then be able to create in the flat areas and turn it upfield. Or catch a ball seven yards downfield and run over a safety and create 20, 30 yards. Those explosive plays that you need at the tight end position. You don't need a unicorn like a George Kittle or a Kyle Pitts or one of these dynamic athletic tight ends at the NFL level that we see around the league. But it's really interesting to see what Washington's going to do at the tight end spot as we move forward into this year because they need some more weapons at that position. They do. And if it is going to be Sam Howell, which is what we've heard Washington has been telling prospective offensive coordinators that Sam is our guy moving into the fall. He is our QB1. Now, if you listen to the podcast over this past year, that's expected for you guys. I've mentioned to you how much they like Sam Howell in that building. So that news is old news. The kid's got a ton of talent. We saw it against Dallas in the back end of the year in his only start. There's a lot of positives that Sam Howell offered in that last game and what he offered during the year, how he prepared, how he approached practice, how he approached meetings, how he worked with Taylor Heineke and Carson Wentz during the year as a professional. On the sideline in t-shirt and shorts for majority of the year wearing a, a headset and a clipboard, But in those moments, that's where he learned. When the cameras were off, when the lights weren't on, how did he prepare? And when he came out against Dallas in Week 18, you could obviously tell that's how he prepared. Which brings me back, on the tracks, to Scott Turner. Because he was really kind of dealt a a bad hand at the quarterback position since he's been in Washington. The Dwayne Haskins of the world, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Carson Wentz, Taylor Heineke... But at the end of the day, this system was not consistently evolved to what skill sets he had on offense. Rushing Curtis Samuel five times a game is not his best skill set. Can he do it? Sure, he did it fine this year. But he's not built to take five to seven hits from defensive linemen and linebackers coming through the hole a game. Not the most well-armored guy, if you will. When you look at Curtis Samuel, it'd be the same thing with Jahan Dotson. Handed off to him five, seven times a game. That's not really using someone's skill set to their best advantage. You're trying to bring skill sets out, right? Cream of the crop. Let your athletes be athletes and modify your system and your scheme weekly and yearly to what you have. A guy that Terry McLaurin is isn't the same of what an Antonio Gandhi Golden was because remember Washington took him 2 years ago but 2 years ago in 2020 in the 4th round was expected to be a big body target for Washington from Liberty or you could compare Terry to a Cam Sims or a Jahan to a Diami Brown similar type frames but very different ball players I looked to Nick Sirianni in Philadelphia and what he was in Indianapolis as someone that consistently was able to put skill sets in their best position to succeed, not asking a four-six runner to consistently stretch the defense on go balls or ask a 5'10 guy that's not able to separate immediately off the line of scrimmage because he usually gets pressed with longer arms to run fade routes in the end zone. Little things, I don't think, I don't think Scott did that a lot in three years. But what I'm just saying is you have to consistently evolve in 2023. And when you look around the league and we will see who Washington ultimately decides to hire, it looks like Ron is going to be back. It looks like Jack Del Rio is going to be back. He deserves to be back, especially the last 10, 12 weeks of the year. Washington's defense played with their hair on fire and looked good. Despite the injuries that they had, at every single level of that defense. Remember, Jonathan Allen had struggles at the back end of the year to stay healthy. Phil Mathis missed the entire year, who I promise we will get into when we dive into the rookie class. Benjamin St. Juice at the third level, in and out of the lineup all year long. Cam Curl, back end of the year, was hurt. Cole Holcomb, basically out for the entire year at the second level, was your second linebacker in your base set, was out for the entire year. So you had John Bostick, who also had injuries. And David Mayo. You rotated Khalil Hudson down to the box late in the year. You had to bring Derek Forrest down to the box a ton. Now, he did a great job. He's an athlete. He's physical. But these are all injuries that you also had to deal with. And Jack Del Rio did a really nice job. But for Scott Turner, on offense, we're moving on. Right? Scott Turner is now in the past. I'm really excited to see who they get in. Is it going to be an older coach with... Experience as a head coach or someone that has really kind of evolved their game to the modern tendencies of the NFL game with a guy like Sam Howell who can expand a playbook both with his arm and his legs? Is it going to be a positional coach from another team, a, a quarterback's coach, or a running back coach, or a wide receivers coach that they potentially bring in as a guy that has just shown extreme positivity as far as you know someone that's rising up in the in the league ranks, for someone that deserves an opportunity? We will see. In my opinion, I think it's Ron and Jack are probably going to hire a guy with some experience. We've obviously heard that they tried to inquire on Jim Caldwell, the former head coach of the Detroit Lions. He's looking for a head coaching opportunity so he denied interest as far as coming into Washington and interviewing for the OC position. But it's going to be interesting because now Scott, like I said, is in the past. The limitations that we saw from him as a coordinator are now gone. Now we're going to get a fresh face in the building that I hope will be able to modify the offense to the bodies, to the athletes that Washington has because they got plenty of them. So that is on Scott Turner. Now let's go into this rookie class. A rookie class that I thought, again, was really good. Um, obviously, you trade back from 10 to 16. We talked about on this podcast, who was Washington targeting with the 10th overall pick back in April. And all that I heard was it was Chris Olave, wide receiver from Ohio State. Washington traded back from 10 to 16 on draft night in that first round to get more picks, which eventually turned into guys like Brian Robinson and Sam Howell, which we'll get to. But Chris Olave did go with the 10th overall pick to the New Orleans Saints. But with Washington's first pick at 16 overall was wide receiver Jahan Dotson, who was absolutely fantastic this year. Missed five games, only had to, only played 12 games. 35 catches, 523 yards, and 7 touchdowns. He was nothing short of spectacular. Watching him inside, inside the slot, outside, a line opposite of Terry McLaurin, his ability to separate was something that was so well talked about at Penn State. Consistently able, he, play, he was a guy at 5'11", if you want to call him 6'0", fine. He's 5'11", plays like he's 6'4". It's a small guy that plays big. Absolutely fantastic from the time he saw it, first put on the burgundy gold helmet back and many rookie minicamp to his last snap in week 18 against Dallas. Him moving into year two has provided us a wide receiver one with Terry McClorn and a wide receiver one a with Jahan. Absolutely fantastic in year one. His hands, his willingness to complete. Keep, excuse me, compete as a blocker on the outside. All the little things. Who he is as an individual. Not a prima donna if he doesn't get the ball. Someone that just fits what Washington wants to do as far as 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 building a youthful core around Terry McLaurin. Because obviously he's a handful of years in the league almost now. Now you're getting these other bodies to take eyes off of him? Seven touchdowns this year. We talked about how important it was for Jahan to take the attention off of Terry. Seven touchdowns. So you have a body within the 20s that can create the third level. He can create the second level over the middle of the field. We saw him in the middle portions of the year when Curtis Samuel had those games where he had six carries for 40 yards, and then he had eight, nine catches for 70, 80 yards and a touchdown. He was clearing out routes for Curtis and Terry McLaurin as defenses had to force to cover him because of obviously the production that he was showing. He did so many different things well that even didn't show up on the box score because 523 yards, 7 touchdowns, 35 receptions was up there with the top rookies in the class. Now, he wasn't up there as far as yards with the Garrett Wilsons, with the Jets, or Olave with the New Orleans Saints by any means. But who's someone that only played 12 games, I want to see, obviously, moving into 2023. Let's get a full 17 out of him because I think the potential is limitless with Jahan Dotson because of who's around him. And we look back to last offseason when Washington signed Curtis Samuel and they drafted Jami Brown in an attempt to take the attention off of Terry. And what happened? It didn't happen, right? Curtis was out the entire year. Jami Brown missed time, didn't produce. And Terry was just the guy to do it on his own. Teams would bracket him. We had limitations at quarterback. Same kind of stuff. This year, there were limitations at quarterback with Wentz and Heineke, 100%. But now as he move into 2023 with Sam Howell potentially at quarterback and the ceiling of this offense, when you look at it from a wide lens, a 30,000 foot view from the sky down and the players that you have, it really excites me to line up next year with 17 on one side and number one in Jahan Dotson. Again, Washington's first round pick this year, an absolute home run with that selection out of Penn State. He was absolutely superb this year. Second pick. 47th overall for Darien Mathis, interior defensive lineman out of Alabama. You go back to my podcast back in April, and I had my concerns as far as why exactly Phil was the pick at 47 overall. I liked Travis Jones out of UConn. I thought that'd be an interesting spot to add a, a real pocket pusher like that. I saw him at the senior bowl, and as was Phil, but I really liked what I saw from Travis Jones, who had a good year. In his rookie season for Baltimore, who was eliminated last night by the Bengals in the wildcard round. But Phil Mathis played in week one against the Jags and then missed the entire season. So, in an offseason that we lost Matt Ioannidis and Tim Settle, it's going to be big for him to work back to 100%. Why? Well, let's see what happens with Deron Payne. Let's see what happens with Deron Payne. I have a call with Deron's agent this afternoon. And I'm going to specifically ask him, what's the what's going on with Deron? What's the process, right? Are they making progress? Is he going to be back? Because remember, Deron's been thrown around a little bit as far as in-trade packages these last few weeks. Excuse me, these last few years. Matthew Stafford two years ago, Russell Wilson this offseason. Are they going to pay him or not? It's him and John Allen. That's the core. They look like all pros this year. They were. They didn't get first-team all-pro or second-team all-pro nods. But anybody that watches ball understands that 93 and 94 in the middle of that Washington defense, they stem everything. They're the fuse to the firework, if you will, for that entire front four and that entire 11-man unit on defense for Washington. But Phil Mathis moving into next year, if Duran is back, he will be IDL3, so behind Allen and Payne, and someone that obviously has a ton of expectations because he was a second-round pick out of Alabama where he had eight sacks back in 2021 as an interior defensive lineman with eight sacks. That's impressive. That shows me that you have the functional athleticism to push the pocket consistently, whether you're rushing as a one tech outside the outside shoulder of the center, or as a three tech, the outside shoulder of the guard, you can align at a different, some different spots along that front four and offer some unique looks. You want to align Payne, Allen, and Mathis in the middle and have Sweat and Young on the outside of them, a little bit of a bear look, a bear front. I'm interested in that moving into next year. I think that's what Jack Del Rio wants to do. But he is an insurance plan right now if Deron Payne wants to go elsewhere. And again, we will see what happens with Deron as we move into the offseason. But we did not get anything really from Phil Mathis to really dive into what he offered. So let's move on to the next selection. Brian Robinson... In the third round with a 98th overall pick. Another kid out of Alabama. It seems like every year Washington takes at least a guy or two from that Crimson Tide pipeline down in Tuscaloosa. What can you say about Brian Robinson? I mean, what what more can you say? The incident from him being shot in the offseason to coming back and being the sixth leading rusher among rookies in the NFL this year. And if he played a full 17 games, probably would have been in the top two or three. And rushing. It's just absolutely unbelievable what he came back from. Because unfortunately, when that situation happened, I'm sure a lot of you out there immediately flashback to 2007. When the unfortunate, senseless gun violence that took Sean Taylor's life in 2007. That's what immediately I back to. And for his ability to come back a month And a half, two months later, and play football at the level that he did was absolutely unbelievable. In my mind, it's going to go to someone else, but in my mind, he is the clear comeback player of the year because what he came back from this offseason, I understand everyone kind of has their different credentials or different kind of guidelines for each award, especially with the comeback player award. What What are you coming back from? Are you coming back... From an outstanding circumstance like Brian did. or you coming back from an injury? All different types of things. But to rush 797 yards. Two touchdowns. Also caught nine balls for a touchdown. Ran over Darren Hall in the Atlanta Falcons game. 205 attempts. Became the bell cow. He stole the job from Antonio Gibson in the preseason. Then he's out. He comes back in and immediately takes it away from Antonio Gibson. Again. He is RB1 in this offense moving forward, and he's one of the top young backs in the NFL. He showed a ton of pop outside the tackles, a little bit more juice than what people gave him credit for at Alabama, outside of his ability to create within those one, two, three, and four holes inside the tackles or running right up the zero hole, right behind the center's butt. He's fantastic. There should have been more opportunities for him on short yardage situations. Which obviously goes into the whole Scott Turner discussion. And just giving your 225 pound man child at points. Let's give him the ball and let him win you a football game. Let him get you a first down and move the sticks. Or get in the end zone. But Brian Robinson Jr. But you could make an argument that he was Washington's best player on offense this year. And again... I cannot say enough from what he came back from was absolutely unbelievable. And I cannot wait to see him at full strength in 2023 in week one. Whoever comes to D.C. or whoever Washington goes to to play again in in that opening season game next fall. So moving on from Brian Robinson, Percy Butler, fourth rounder out of Louisiana, Lafayette. Very interesting player this year. A, A guy that got a ton of snaps on special teams, got some reps at the back end of the year at free safety, played a lot in that Dallas game where a lot of these younger guys got snaps, but his alignment and versatility was fun to watch. He lined up back outside corner late against in that Dallas game, played in the box, played free safety, aligned in the slot a little bit, and then he was active on special teams. And we obviously know that that safety room for Washington is crowded with bodies. There's a ton of guys, young bodies, Cam Curl, Derek Forrest, With Percy Butler, I mean, Bobby McCain's a veteran that they like in that room. Percy Butler did a really nice job, I feel like, this year in the limited snaps that he got. He was a guy, kind of a wiry frame, very rangy, can roam sideline to sideline for you, isn't afraid. He plays above his weight class, if you will, as far as a guy that isn't afraid to come downhill and make plays near the line of scrimmage. We didn't get a, a huge glimpse as far as what he offers as a defender this year. But moving into 2023, where we will see what Washington does in the secondary, especially in the safeties room. Obviously, the talk is at corner. I fully believe they're going to add some bodies at corner, some young bodies, potentially a CB1 like body in the first round this year. But at safety, with Percy moving into year two, with now with snaps under his belt, I'm excited. I think he's a player that has some potential. Again, we can't really go off of a ton because he really wasn't too involved defensively. But I really liked what I saw from Percy this year from an athletic perspective and as far as his, his ability to be able to just click that foot down, and stick that foot in the ground, and make plays downhill. Whether that is being a gunner on the outside or at free safety in that Dallas game where he had four tackles, making plays downhill. I like what I saw from Percy Butler this year, and I think he's someone that will improve as we move into this off season. so moving on from him with the uh, excuse me, 144th overall selection, Washington took Sam Howell, quarterback on North Carolina, and I don't want to spend too long on Sam Howell, but man, I I, I can't say enough again about Sam Howell. I uh, I've been really, man, I'm just excited for Sam a full opportunity this off season to get the offensive playbook, whoever that is, into the building. We will see if it's going to be a run-heavy O.C. We heard Ron and Martin talk about how Washington wants to be a run-heavy offense. Does that mean running it 45 times a game? 40 times a game in 2023 with Sam at quarterback? I hope not because he got some arm talent to use. He can deliver with accuracy. He can deliver on time. He understands what he's looking at from a defensive perspective, from reading inside the pocket, reading defenses. But Sam Howell, again, we, we didn't expect to see too much from him this year. But what we did see and potentially his QB1 next year they got a ton of value out of him as a 5th round pick. Again, I had a round 3 grade on him on my board heading into the year. So grabbing him in the 5th round, early in that 5th round is just someone that you can build with. He's on a rookie contract. You still got that young core I mentioned on the outside. He's the guy moving forward. It really it just gets me pumped up a little bit because from a pure talent perspective there might have not been a more talented quarterback in Washington since you can make an argument for Dwayne Haskins as far as from a talent perspective RG3 almost a decade ago from a talent perspective and Sam has a lot to work with under center and a playbook that I hope allows his dual threat ability that he got better and better and better at when he was at North Carolina involving his legs in 2021, we saw it against Dallas, his ability to create. And I'm excited. And you folks out there should be really excited about Sam Howell. In the fifth round to grab a QB1, everyone gets so caught up. I got to take a QB top five. I got to take a QB top 15. He's got to be my face in the franchise that I got to hitch my wagon to. If you grab a guy like Sam Howell, let him sit for a year, which he did. Learn how to be a professional. Reading defenses at an NFL speed, whether it's on tape. And then you put him in the fire in week 18 and you saw what he was able to do. That's intriguing. And that's potential. I'm, I, I'm just... I'm pumped up, folks. I, I really am moving into the offseason because if he is QB1, I think there's a lot to work with. And again, as a fifth-round pick, there's value there that works... From a contract perspective, that he could be your guy for three, four years before you ever would even think about potentially extending him to give him a long-term deal. So that is Sam Howell as a first pick in the fifth round. Then Washington came back and doubled down in the fifth round with Cole Turner. Tight end from Nevada. I talked about it earlier. I wanted more from Cole. Guy at the senior bowl that I saw live in the pre-draft process last year wasn't a guy that's going to move anybody in the run game. Had some tough times separating. He moved a little bit like a catamaran when he was asked to leverage bodies to his outside shoulder, get his hands extended. We didn't see him rise above corners, play above the rim a little bit like we saw him do at Nevada. He didn't really get any opportunities to do that. So I wanted to see more out of Cole this year. Again, only played in 10 games, two catches, 23 yards, really uninvolved the entire season. Uh, Obviously, you never root for injuries, but the best ability is availability. And moving into 2023, he's obviously going to have a spot on this roster, you'd think. But it may be a spot where Washington looks to add bodies because they need someone that can be a flex chest piece weapon at the tight end position. And even though we've seen Logan Thomas over the last few years have some success in spurts to where at times he looks like a top 15, top 12, 11 tight end in the league... Then there's some times where he just looks completely immobile. He's dropping passes. You can't block. And you just don't know if you can move forward with him. And I think a lot of this year there's potential for Logan coming into the year as a guy that could put up a ton of stats because of what Carson Wentz's predictability as far as was when he's throwing two tight ends when he was in Philadelphia with Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. Now in Washington with Logan, it just really didn't work out. So we're going to see what Washington does at tight end. But with two young bodies with Bates and then Turner... In the fifth round, you're not, you know, breaking the bank with him as a rookie. Again, in the fifth round, late in that round, someone that you're—these are core picks, right? This third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh rounds, these are your core guys, right? Your first and second round, you got to hit on them, right? But as we move back into the fifth round, late on day three, these are guys that are core roster guys. But two catches for 23 yards in 10 games, and you really didn't block that well outside of the Atlanta game for Cole Turner— I got to see more. I got to see more. So moving on from Cole, Chris Paul, interior offensive lineman out of Tulsa. Washington took with their first pick in the seventh round. We didn't see him at all until late in the year. He was enacted most of the year, but I thought he did a damn good job against Dallas. I'm happy for the kid. And moving into next year, I mean, we've had guys over the years. You look back to the Keith Ishmaels of the world. You look at the Tyler Larson's. You look at Sadiq Charles, who most likely will not be back moving into 2023. They try to have him, Sadiq, at tackle and come into guard and just hasn't been able to work. If Chris can be that swing guard next year, because I think Washington will make some young additions as well on the offensive line. They really have to. They have to make some additions. We will see if they keep Cornelius Lucas at right tackle and slide Cosme in the guard, or they're going to keep Cosme at right tackle and maybe ask Cornelius to play right guard. I don't think that will happen, but we will see as far as what really the role will be for Chris Ball? Because I think he will be that swing guard next year for how he played in Week 18. I thought he did a fine job. A guy out of Tulsa that had a really strong lower half, ability to consistently understand the optics of winning first with your hands within the interior. Again, didn't play in a crazy conference at Tulsa where he's facing elite defensive tackles and linebackers You know, being asked to pick up linebackers through those A and B gaps during his time with the interior for Tulsa. But he is somebody that you need you need depth within the guts of your offensive line. You need it. And we've seen Washington deal with a ton of injuries these last few years. Chase Roulier, huge question moving into next year because the last two years he hasn't been on the football field. Good when active, but again, best ability is what? Availability. You gotta stay on the football field, no matter how good you are. If you're on the sidelines, it does us no good especially as a center and the anchor of a front five. And Chase really is a top center, top 10 center in the NFL when he's healthy. But for Chris Paul's perspective, someone that has value at both left guard and right guard, I, I, I like what I saw from the kid. Seventh rounder, you want to talk about value, a swing guard that can step in, in worst case scenario, and give you four or five starts if you have to next year. I like what I saw from him. Guy that stood out in training camp, guy that stood out in Ricky Minicamp, Stayed quiet and just did about his you know, worked about his business, lunch pale, put his hard hat on. I like what I saw from Chris Paul in his rookie season. So moving on to the final pick of Washington's class with Christian Holmes, corner out of Oklahoma State. And Christian is someone that I am intrigued as far as moving into next year and the potential that he has. I think he has the potential to be a a a good CB. Three CB4 for you on on the back end of your depth chart from from a corner's perspective. And a core special teamer as we move into 2023. That's who he was this year. And you look at Christian, he had a start against Atlanta. I thought he did really well in the rain. Then he had his struggles a little bit in that next game against the Giants where he had a full slate of snaps. He started opposite of Kendall Fuller in that ballgame with Benjamin St. Just out. But those were learning bumps. Those are a learning curve that rookies have in this league. You're not expecting him to come in and be a shut-down corner. Don't care who the Giants had on the outside. Obviously, the Giants are, are playing out of their minds, right? They're just... Brian Dable, head coach, I can't say enough as far as the job that he's done in New York, bringing the best out of his talent that is limited on the outside. For them, obviously, they beat the Vikings yesterday in Minnesota. The sixth straight year that the sixth seed has beaten the three seed in the playoffs. It's crazy to think. But back on track here with Christian Holmes and against the Giants, he had some struggles. And the NFL is the NFL. You know, you're know, you in the NFL for a reason, no matter how talented you are. Whether you're comparing Justin Jefferson to you know the Isaiah Hodgins and the Richie Jameses and the Darius Slaytons that the Giants had, those are rookie struggles that were expected for Christian on this defense. And I like the effort that he showed on special teams, running down as a gunner, a lot like what Percy Butler did. And then you look at his frame at six foot, nearly 200 pounds, someone that you have tools to work with. You have a frame to work with. And if you get some younger corners in the building next year, you can learn from Kendall Fuller. If he's back, Benjamin St. Juice is a young body moving into year three next year. If you get a Christian Gonzalez, a Joey Porter Jr., a Cam Smith moving into this draft class, and now you have a Christian Holmes on the back end as you're, like I said, a CB3, a CB4. At the back end of your depth chart, those are young bodies that have some experience that you can work with, that are excited to play on the outside, that have some physicality. He's got some nice length to him. He's not perfect by any means. Again, as a seventh rounder, more guys that you're taking some flyers on and just kind of throwing stuff at the wall and hope it sticks. But if you can get guys that are core special teamers and someone that can offer value when you want to run, you want to bring in six 7 DBs potentially on certain downs and throw some exotic looks, Christian Holmes can be that guy for you. So again, not anything crazy as far as from a needle-moving perspective for Christian in his first year, but he did get a couple starts. Again, that Atlanta game, I thought he did a good job in the rain. And then against the Giants game, it's worth things to improve upon. Not perfect, but things to improve upon. So that is Washington's... 2022 rookie class from a UDFA perspective. I mean, we go back and we talked about the Cole Kellys, quarterback from southeastern Louisiana, the Jaquez Azards, guys that stood out in rookie minicamp. I was really happy what I saw from Armani Rogers, a UDFA out of Ohio University. The most athletic tight end that Washington actually has in their tight ends room right now. Someone that, again, was a QB convert from Ohio. Got some really good snaps at the beginning of this year. Obviously, he dealt with injuries as well, but he's really intriguing to me. Again, Armani Rodgers is a guy to keep an eye on as he moves into this offseason because he is the most athletic tight end that Washington has in their room. We saw some jet sweeps to him in the middle portions of the year. We saw him have three catches against Green Bay, two more targets the next week against Indianapolis, and then missed a ton of time. But from an athletic perspective and what you can offer as far as a flex weapon, kind of that F tight end, right? We talk about a Y tight end, more so guys that play attached to the line of scrimmage, right to the outside shoulder of the offensive tackle, and guys that provide a ton of pop as a blocker and then can obviously offer some mismatches over the middle of the field as a receiver. But Armani's more of that F tight end, that, that flex weapon, that guy that doesn't have to play attached. He can play detached, away from the line of scrimmage, in the slot, outside, he can do a lot of different things for you. And again, we saw him take jet sweeps this year. Not just whether he's taking them or even on that orbit jet motion that I mentioned that Curtis Samuel did a lot this year. He's got the speed to create a little bit at 6'5". He can run. He can really kind of turn those legs a little bit and get some has some sneaky speed to turn that corner. We don't have that on the offense. Thomas, Bates, and Turner, they don't offer that. Armani does. So this is a guy, as a UDFA, moving to next year that got some good snaps this year. He's exciting. And I think someone that if if they want to go this round he's he's potentially a t- uh, potentially a guy that's challenging for a tight end too. We will see. I want guys in the building that can compete. I don't again, I don't care where you're drafted. I don't care what logo you had on your helmet. Decal you had on your helmet in college, I don't care. You come to the NFL and you can compete and you show me what you can offer from an athletic perspective and then from a production perspective, you can play, you can play. And for me, if I'm an offensive coordinator, I'm putting you in my offense. If you can just do a lot of different things and not just do different things, but do them well, right? We always talk about a guy that wears a ton of hats, but if you don't, if you wear a ton of hats and they're falling off your head or what if you're wearing a ton of hats and they fit well and you do it well and you check a ton of boxes and then maybe you don't just check them, maybe you bold them and you check them. You know, those are the things that I think from an athletic perspective and from raising the performance ceiling and expanding the playbook, things we talk about all the time, Armani Rodgers does that a little bit for me. As a guy, again, they got some really good snaps this year. Had five catches on the year, 64 yards. Not anybody that's going to move the needle. He wasn't a great run blocker this year. But as a chess piece, I like him. And as a UDFA, a guy that you took a flyer on to come into camp and say, hey, see what you can do. Show me if you can ball or not. And I thought he did a nice job despite missing a ton of time. During the meat of Washington season. So, again, that is Washington's 2022 rookie class. I will have a podcast out for you guys next Monday, recapping the offense. Do a full deep dive quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, offensive line, guys that I would like to move forward into 2023, positions that we need to improve upon, guys that I, I, I thought played well this year, guys that did not play well. Guys that exceeded expectations, guys that didn't, new additions, guys that came back as far as rookies moving into year two, the Sam Cosme's of the world, right? How Cornelius Lucas at right tackle, swapping in with him and Cosme working out at right tackle. Charles Leno, where do we go with him? The interior with Norwell, what do we do with Chase Willier moving forward? We'll dive into all that, all those names, the Tyler Larson's, the Wes Schweitzer's, the Nick Martin's, all these names and faces that we saw On offense this year, we will dive into next week on Monday. So, again, that's going to do it for this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed. Please leave a like, review, share, subscribe if you did. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. If you don't follow me already on Twitter, shoot me a follow there, underscore Ryan Fowler. All my written work is housed at thedraftnetwork.com. Again, always appreciate you guys tuning in. Hope you guys enjoyed the first round of the playoffs last night. And on Saturday and tonight, 8-15, you got Dallas visiting the NFC South champion, Tom Brady-led Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So enjoy the work week. Enjoy football the night. Have a great weekend. Next, Next weekend, I will talk to you a week from today on Monday, again, recapping Washington's offense from 2022. So as always, appreciate you guys tuning in. I'm Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network, and this is Commanding the Huddle.